Hi, I'm Holly. And I am Danielle, and you're listening to The Spooky Hour. We're back there. We're back on Halloween. Hell yeah. Is it Halloween yet? Is it fall yet? Spooky season? Honestly. Fuck winter. I'm over it. It kind of feels more like fall out, though. I don't know if you've uh, been outside lately, but it's been like eight ish degrees 10 ish yeah. degrees it's like supposed to rain, rain a lot wild. tomorrow too so i'm not converting that to fahrenheit google it. <laughs> yeah like <laughs> mild pleasant i don't know <laughs> so america good job on uh impeaching trump yay it's one step Can you in imagine direction. being so bad at your job that they try to kick you out twice yeah like, i hope it goes through just so simply for the fact that he can't like collect any of his benefits and like he doesn't get a security yeah. detail then you're just one of us asshole <laughs> And he's, like, worse off, too, because, like, I don't think he has any money left, to be honest. I feel like he's he's probably bankrupt himself, like, his personal funds. Yeah. I feel like he's got nothing. Yeah, definitely nothing. But, yeah, I I was quite pleased to hear that. I try not to get too excited because we've seen it before and, like, nothing came of it. But the fact that I think uh, 10, 10 people in his party turned on him. Yep. So I'm hoping that's a good thing, but... Try to try to set the bar realistically here. <laughs> you never really fuck it out with that kind of uh, shit. So, but we're halfway there, so good job. Yeah, but other than that, uh, um, we're back in lockdown. Yeah, state of emergency. So, holla. The most vague fucking rules, though. Like, I was reading them. Like, I actually read the document, and it's mm-hmm. so fucking vague. So, don't leave your house except for essential trips. But you can go see your friend if it's under twenty four hours. And you can hang out outside with five people. And but you can go do curbside pickup. Yeah, stores are yeah. closed. <laughs> so you you have to go out for essential things, but non-essential things are open. And you could go hang out with people, but only five of them. They're just advising at this point. There's no strict rules. No, no, that's exactly it. They're, they're heavily suggesting. Yeah. No, I wouldn't even say heavily. They're just suggesting. Like, yeah. Um, so it's, it's very willy-nilly. My um, friend sent me a picture, and I think we should just post it. It's like... Um, Doug Ford is just like, um, everyone stay home. And then it's just like the angry face emoji. Yeah. And I then it's it. like the second, the, the second lockdown is him saying the same thing. Everyone stay home. But like the red face angry emoji. Yeah. No, and that's the, exactly it. That clears up what the fuck this lockdown is right now. I, the funniest one I've seen is uh, Doug Ford's advice as to whether or not a trip is essential. And it's just a heart. And inside in like girly writing says, follow your heart. Yeah. <laughs> So he's like, don't go out unless it's essential. But, like, you decide what's essential. He's and it's the same thing idiot. with workplaces, too. So I was reading about the workplaces. And um, they're letting employers decide who and what is essential. They can't govern anything. Um, they are allowing, or not allowing, but enforcing. So uh, I think it's OPP officers, which is Ontario Provincial Police. They can go into businesses and make sure it's mm-hmm. distance and et cetera, et cetera. Same and if you're not law. following the rules, yeah. But, like, they can't tell a place to close. So it's all very wishy-washy, willy-nilly. So our advice is... But they can, um, they can do fines. That's the big thing. Yes, is, they can issue fines. I mean, OPP obviously can because they are they are basically our state police. Yeah. Um, but that, oh, the big thing is bylaw, which I think is a huge thing. Because now bylaw can issue tickets. Yeah. And uh, it, that's also another really willy-nilly thing, too. So they can't just pull anybody over for any reason and ask where they're going and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It doesn't but, make sense. I don't know. It's So just do the right thing. If you need groceries, by all means, get your groceries. But just don't party. Don't be yeah. stupid. Stay just, the fuck home. I've been putting off a Walmart trip for like three months now. <laughs> the Walmart by my house got four COVID cases. So yeah. thank God we haven't been there, but... I don't know. I'm over it. I'm I'm quite, uh, I don't want to say depressed because that makes it sound worse than it is, but I'm not happy that we're back where we are. Uh, it was like, it was kind of coming. So I kind of like prepared myself for it. And yeah. I also haven't left my house since March. So. <laughs> so I did the opposite. When we, when our cases went down, we got to like 80 cases. Uh, I was back at work full time. Um, I wasn't out partying by any means, but like I got to see Danielle. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was like earlier in the year. Um, we, we went to Toronto, we went to the city and all that, and I was starting to feel safe again. And then as they crept up, I was like, fuck me, here we go. And, like, I was Round prepared two. for another lockdown, but then when they actually said it, I was just like, Ugh. like, how do we go from 80 cases to 
like we're probably gonna hit five thousand this weekend like and record deaths too and that's the thing people don't understand it's like my my sister she's technically a covid nurse now her unit has been deemed a covid unit and um she got her vaccine which is awesome but hey yeah but um people just don't realize like yeah majority of the people do survive and there's unfortunately people that don't however the healthcare system's so overwhelmed because now they don't have enough people like enough patients or enough patient rooms to fit all these people with covid yeah so the ic the icu at her hospital is they have to like double up patients that are covid patients and like if you're there in icu but you're not a covid patient guess what you gotta sit out in the fucking hallway so that's what people um, don't fucking realize our healthcare system so we lake ridge i think so that's um a few cities in our area those hospitals are all under one system we're now in overflow yeah um so all of the all of the hospitals in toronto are sending their patients to our area now um we're probably gonna get to i don't know if you heard in california if you're like in a car accident and you're looking like you're on your way out they're not gonna bring you to a hospital they're just gonna let you die that's really sad it's awful and we're heading that way because our hospitals are filling up yeah so it's a fucking catastrophe i'm over it i might get drunk this weekend just because i'm not even Hell like yeah. a casual drinker but <laughs> you are now lockdown round two i am now <laughs> i'm just so over it i'm so disappointed i Meh. <laughs> that's it <laughs> oh my gosh though can we talk about something good can we talk about something nice sure what Happy Spookiversary. Oh my god, I totally forgot. <laughs> so did I until right this moment. I was like, uh, we have those... something positive to talk about? What? We do. For those who are not on our socials for some weird reason. Me. Uh, the 13th was our one year anniversary. That was our first uh, episode release date back in 2020 before the world started ending. Do you remember when we used to record together? Yeah. In the <gasps> same room? We used to sit in the same room? Wow. <sighs> but yeah, we what just want to see thank you for uh sticking with us this year it was interesting to say a the whole year yeah and uh we say this a lot but you were quite literally the only positive thing about this year <laughs> i second this yes um so yeah that was that was great that was a nice little happy blip <laughs> in our reality <laughs> and uh to celebrate our spook anniversary, we, want- we wanted to do um something a little bit different this week so we're both covering the same thing yeah with different aspects of it and it's also so our 50th episode oh my god it is too so many milestones that was the most (laughs) serotonin i felt in like 18 months did you say i I think she was about to do like a jumping jack or so she got so excited (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah we're both covering the same thing danielle's covering the spookies i'm covering the crime obvi but we just wanted to do something fun to celebrate so with that should we should we get spooky we should i think we should let's do it okay so this week, I, I think a lot of I have I was on social media today. You guys, I saw everything. A lot of people <laughs> I was on social the, media today. Yeah, it's, it's a milestone for me too. It's a good day. <laughs> um, a lot of people guessed our episode, which was awesome. A lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I'm so pumped for it. Um, we are covering the Viper Room. Woo! Which for some stupid reason I thought it was called the Viper Club, and I was like, "What the fuck is this place called?" So I googled like, "What the fuck <laughs> is this place called?" But the Viper Room. <laughs> I knew of it, and I know what happened there. But I didn't yeah. know detail. So here we are. There's a lot of details I did not know. Like, I knew most of the story because uh, I just love the whole, like, the culture of the club, if that yeah, makes sense. Exactly. Like, the rock and roll scene and yeah. all that kind of thing. Um, I also really love the BuzzFeed Unsolved episode of it. I so thought they funny. did a really good job of it. Yeah. Um, but, like, I didn't know a whole lot about its uh, its early beginnings. So this yeah. is really fun. I really like this one. Yeah, me too. So I am going to just jump into like a tad bit of history. Hopefully, I Holly read my script and she didn't say anything. So hopefully we're good. I said it was hilarious. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, we're here. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to do like a quick history on just in case like no one really knows what it's about. But Holly's going to elaborate a bit later on and go into more depth with the craziness of the history. Yeah. And then I'm obviously just going to be like, hello, ghost. What's up? <laughs> So the Viper Room originally started as a grocery store called the Young's Market, um, which was built in 1921. It opened in 1924 and was a grocery store until the 1940s. So now Hollywood really started a boom at this time with like the Sunset Strip being like a thing. So the whole street this market was on um, was just like changing and growing. So in 1946, it was bought out and became the Cotton Club, which was like an underground like hidden speakeasy. 
mm-hmm. I think. Um, in 1947, it became the Greenwich Village Inn, which was like sort of like in the same route of the underground scene, like the Cotton Club. Um, it actually, um, it actually became like highlighted by some politicians. And one politician said, and I quote, certain establishments establishments which were staging indecent lewd and levacious entertainment and in which tavern managers were permitting their premises to be used as a gathering place for perverts and other immortal persons end quote like the tutor rose (laughs) doesn't it actually that's so funny i used to go to a really shitty bar but i loved it very much i say shitty with like the utmost respect and that's what it sounds like. <laughs> that's exactly what that is. <laughs> that's all you need to know about it. <laughs> um, so they named like a few more, like these politicians named a few more bars and places like in that. So it wasn't just um, the Greenwich. It was like a couple other ones. But it was like included in these eight. I think there was like seven or eight that they named. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing actually came from this. Like no law enforcement took action because I guess they knew it was owned by mobsters, which Holly will get into. Mm-hmm. Um so in 1949, it was then changed from the Greenwich Village Inn to the Rue Angel, which ended up catching fire. Um, this Rue Angel didn't last long. Obviously, it closed down in 1950, and then it became the Last Call, which opened the same year. That was a strip club here for it. Yep, absolutely. Yep. The fact that these places were only open for a year or so is like absolutely bonkers to me. Like it's nuts. I the um the repairs the, the so the the one Danielle mentioned Rue Angel that caught fire. The repairs took less than a year. That's fucking in like crazy. in like the fifties. Like and here I thought mobsters would be half decent businessmen, but <laughs> here we are. Um. So in 1951, it became the metal- Melody Room which stepped away from the mob scene and right into the music scene. So I'm getting into a bit more history here because I don't think Holly covered these ones that much. Um, So I just wanted to jump into it because it's like definitely like our music. This is like us growing up. Yeah, I would love to have been around in this era, like the the prime of the Viper Room. Like I would love to be there just once. Yeah, I agree. This kind of, again, like I said, stepped away from the mob scene and right into the music scene. It's no longer a goddamn arms race. Can I be sued for this? (laughs) (laughs) we love a follow-up boy joke we do don't sue me i love you guys um this was a bar but i'm pretty sure it was like a popular like jazz bar sort of vibe um this stayed around until it closed in 1969 my mom was born that year um (laughs) in the summer oh no i know her birthday never mind it was not in this i was after the summer but it was after the summer (laughs) Um, then in 1973, it opened as another music scene called Filthy McNasties, which is a great name, A++ on that one. Yeah. But this was named after a legit person. Like this guy was... Oh, really? That was his actual name. Yep. That's what he went by was <laughs> Filthy, great one. Filthy McNasty. I feel like there used to be a Filthy McNasties in Peterborough. They probably got sued because I know that <laughs> bars like sued any type of bar that had the same name. Yeah. Even the Viper Room. Pretty sure they like sued other bars and like people had to change their name and stuff. There was one in Australia, I think. Yeah, there was. I actually talk about that a little bit. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll, like a wee bit. <laughs> a wee bit. We'll go into that later. Um, so Filthy McNasty, his real name was like Wilfred Barstitch. So Filthy's way cooler. Um, yeah, way cooler. Yeah, I named my, a bar after myself. That was my name. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, now Filthy McNasty. I'm going to say his name every time because it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Had lots of famous pe- people visiting um, from the music scene and other various parts of the industry, um, which included Evil Knievel and Tom Waits, who I actually believe was a partial owner um, of the Viper Room with Johnny, or he like convinced Johnny to buy it. it yeah, was one he was of the involved. Two. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I know he was involved. It was one of the two. I had something which is like, like that. just so cool. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so this bar was a very popular hangout, which also has said to have like underground gambling as well um it then became the central in the 1980s again dive bar music scene hangout which um had seen the faces of like ricky lee jones and john Enstwill. um i can never pronounce his last name but like that's he played in the who like the band oh okay yeah. yeah um side note i cannot listen to won't get fooled again or who are you anymore thanks csi because you've ruined that song for me <laughs> i can't um fun little dad joke moment so there's the who and then there's the guess who and uh when we were kids and we my dad would listen to like his rock station or whatever and the guess who would be on he'd be like guess who's playing 
we'd be like, I don't know who. He's like, no, guess who's playing? We're like, Dad, I don't know who. And you'd just be like dying laughing. <laughs> and everyone's getting it. Everyone's just like, yeah. what? I love uh, that. Dad jokes. <laughs> I your, get it now. Your dad was the best at dad jokes, too. So. Oh, yeah. Um, so I believe at this point it was fully owned by Anthony Fox. Um, so just remember that name for later. Um, yes. And then it became the infamous Viper Room in 1993, partially owned by Johnny Depp. Holly will also get into that a bit later. Um, but now done with like my little history rant. It's cool. Fight me. Um, <laughs> now onto the full time like residents that stay here. Um, as we know, the most famous death to happen at the Viper Room was the tragic death of River Phoenix. This happened on October 31st, 1993. Um, River had been on a mix of cocaine and heroin, which is apparently called Speedball. Yeah, Speedballin. I'm not good at drug names, so here we are. I'm alarmingly good at drug names for someone who's never done any hardcore drugs. <laughs> you just dated everyone that did them. I, I, oh, she just came right for me. I, I was going to say I watched a lot of crime shows, but nope, that was it. She nope. nailed it. <laughs> um, so apparently he had also taken a Valium the same night. So throughout the night, he seemed like high as fuck and not okay. Um, apparently something happened and he was like kicked out of the club. So please just take note that um, he arrived at the Viper around midnight and was only there for about 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, he was with his girlfriend at the time and his brother, um, Jacqueline, and sister, Rain. Um, he ended up collapsing outside the Viper on the sidewalk and started convulsing. Uh, Jacqueline may... Is it Jacqueline or... Like, I'm pronouncing that right, right? Or Joaquin. I think it's... I think it's Joaquin, I but thought, I feel yeah. like I'm never saying his name right, no I, matter I, how I say it. Right? I you guys twice. know who he is. He's a really famous actor, okay? He played the Joker. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Do you not We'll know? just call him the Joker. No, I know who he is. I just oh. don't know the correct pronunciation, because no matter how I say it, it sounds wrong. Yeah, I think it's Joaquin. <laughs> I'm saying Joaquin? it wrong. I think it's Joaquin. We'll um, go with it. So he made the 911 call, which is fucking heartbreaking to hear. So, I did listen to it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, highly recommend not looking it up, but here we are. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, they weren't able to save River. He died at 23 years old of a drug overdose. Um, I thought this was kind of, like, nice. Um, so Johnny Depp closed the Viper Room on every Halloween after River's death to honor him. So I like, thought that was really nice, too. Yeah. Because Halloween is, like, a big night for bars and stuff. Like, that's yeah. not, like, a... It's not like he's closing on a Tuesday. You know what yeah, I mean? exactly. So, which is kind of nice. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so, again, he was only there for, like, 40 minutes before he... He got, like, he got into, like, some type of scuffle, and he got kicked out. Yeah. And then right after that, that's when he passed away, which is heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, so, so young. Right? Um, so, now, River Spirit is said to still be in attendance at the Viper. A lady by the name of Rita Flora, or Forty, I don't know, guys, Rita. Rita. Yeah. <laughs> She worked the ticket booth at the Viper for almost 10 years. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if she still works there. So that's why I kind of said it that way. Um, she was on an episode of Ghost Adventures because they also um, were, they did a, an episode there. I want to watch that one. I haven't seen it yet. It's pretty good. Um, they caught a voice saying, and I quote, I get confused in which Rita states it's River. Like apparently that's River saying it. Um mm. She also said that her hair has been pulled and she has been touched by someone or something on her leg. Um, she also believes there is a presence of a woman. Um, apparently, the spirit texted her. <laughs> that was my reaction, too. I was like, <laughs> so she was interviewed on Ghost Adventures, like, saying this, that this spirit had texted her. And what appara- did she say? LOL? Like- <laughs> <laughs> right. It's Britney, bitch. <laughs> um so basically the text said and i quote why can't you see me and then Ooh. like along those lines and like apparently they had like like exchanged conversation in this text and then rita went to go call the number and it was just static That's so she creepy. couldn't actually call through um i never saw the text messages so and it was never like shown so i don't know if she still has them i don't know if it's fake i don't know i would keep that right i would never screenshot that. that shit forever yeah um so a bartender that i believe still works there um his name is tommy black he also claims the building has its ghosts uh he said he's felt a dark presence while working at the viper's bar on like the bottom floor there's like different levels to this place um uh he also said that glasses would get flung and thrown from the bar when no one was there there is also a spot at the bar where people just like faint 
for like no reason like they mm-hmm. just drop um these are all claims by tommy on ghost adventures as well um and there's like like security cameras of like people walking up to this one part and every single video that they have it's this it's they're at the this person's at the same part and they all collapse just drop just that's drop. terrifying yeah it's so weird do they like interview any of those people no no boo no <laughs> <laughs> no um so there's also macy jane so she was a former manager at the viper and she said she would get called this is where it gets kind of weird so she said she would get calls at the office on like the office phone um like at the viper and when she picked up a man would say hi it's me and it would just go all staticky and then hang up so the same static that rita was getting when she called that number oh yeah so she said she would get these calls a lot so obviously they can be prank calls that's yeah. very obvious and you can get prank texts but the Especially static a is a place weird. like that yeah but some people believe it's anthony fox oh yeah yeah so now anthony disappeared and hasn't been seen since 2001 holly's gonna get into that i promise <laughs> um so again like guitars are said to have play on their own at this place doors will open um there's like really bad cold spots like the casual spooky stuff you know so people believe anthony fox is buried in a like closet that's adjacent to the downstairs or like the bottom bar mm-hmm. um there's a room like that is apparently like, extremely creepy but it's very active with spirit boxes it said like it said anthony fox will like communicate with you if you're in like that kind of closet it's almost like a i don't know if it's a closet because it's like a dirt floor <laughs> it's really like a weird coat is it like a coat room or more like a s- no cellar it's- no it's like um it's literally like a closet where they just like will keep random shit like from the bar and it's like it's literally a dirt floor and like like, my furnace room where there's just like (laughs) and there's like i think our turkey pan is in our furnace room for some reason oh my gosh (laughs) that's like the the storage that you never want to open because there's so much shit in it yeah okay i respect that that's my entire house that's it um so yeah, so if you're in that, I call it a closet because it literally looks like a closet. But yeah. apparently, if you're in there, it, the person that's in there is very active with. If you have a spirit box, it will communicate with you, even if it is Anthony Fox, because there's like, like no evidence that he's dead, which again, yeah. Holly's going to talk about. But there is yeah. any, any evidence, <laughs> so you can't just no. safely say it's him. Um. So now, before we get into Holly's crazy history, um, people who hang out at the Viper that I thought were pretty neat um that i noticed that holly didn't include so i'm just gonna say it now (laughs) um jennifer aniston yeah isn't that funny jared leto drew barrymore johnny cash which is my favorite thing ever that's the coolest one yeah yeah and tom petty and the heartbreakers opened for the viper room venue like they opened on opening day yeah they were the first ones to play when it was the viper room right yeah i'm here for that i love i just love all of the the rock stars and stuff that would go there and i just love the whole man if i could time travel right that's where i'd go I no it's not but <laughs> but like the place is supposed to be like really i'm per- i don't know is it still open i i couldn't really find online a direct answer so it was sold yeah and, 2018 i think yeah i i don't think it's open i think it's like like a tourist Just spot like more than anything right now yeah okay. i think it's i that's so funny that we did all this research on this and didn't fucking bother to see if it was no. still actually open <laughs> i actually don't know if it is <laughs> are we gonna google right now yeah we are the first google search is there a body buried in the viper room uh- <laughs> apparently it opens at 4 p.m oh let's go oh shit we have to time travel yeah. first it's 6 p.m <laughs> um so there you go it is still open are they oh and they have a they have a website how did i find their website that whole time i did not know they had a website hold on viperroom.com oh my god steel panther played there that's so funny i've always wanted to go see steel panther really just i driving i think they're terrible don't get me wrong but just the whole like how everybody dresses up and like gets so into it like i would absolutely show up and like like zebra print (laughs) leggings or something well look at that it is still functioning yeah and also they have a podcast hosted by tommy black who was the bartender for that who i just oh. talked about fun it looks really nice on the inside i like what they did with it yeah Shit, well we're gonna have to go so, when the world stops ending yeah because river's spirit is supposed to be highly active there yeah i really There's liked like, uh we talked about the buzzfeed episode earlier so 
in the BuzzFeed episode, I never remember their names, but the guy who's like a like the ghost believer was like a huge fan mm-hmm. of River Phoenix. And uh, he was like talking to the spirit box about how he was like such a big fan of River Phoenix. And the, the spirit box said, thank you. Yeah, that was really cute. And it just like, it gave me so many Melt feels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but so with that uh now that danielle has taken you through some of the history and the hauntings of the viper room i get to tell you about all the horrible crimes that took place there yay and like (laughs) um yeah i was gonna say it's there's probably more hauntings with all the fucking crazy mob shit but like that stuff you don't really know who died there yeah you don't really know um so i tried really hard to find um so it says there was violence and stuff. Yeah. And I tried to find out, like, what that means. Like, was there shootings? Was there stabbings? Was it just general, like, people drunk fighting? I yeah, couldn't really find fooling. anything. It could be because it's from the 40s. Um, that being said, I would love to look more into the mobster who owned it back in the day because I started reading his history. And He's crazy. Yeah. There's, like, oh, my God. I could go on forever. One day I'm going to do a mafia episode, but it's got to be... I need to be, like, fully in lockdown and not going to my office because I need, like, a week to just sit in my house and just divulge into this. Just divulge. <laughs> um, so, as we know, the story of the Viper Room begins way back in 1947 when Mickey Cohen, who was a well-renowned gangster, bought a grocery store in Los Angeles originally called Young's Market. Um, he did some serious renovations and turned it into the jazz venue called the Cotton Club. Apparently, this was like the place to be if you were into jazz, but it also served as a disguise for what was really going on behind closed doors. Uh, the basement of the club was actually used as a headquarters for Cohen's illegal activities. Um, so I want to give you a quick, quick, I want to give a you a, a quick background on Mickey Cohen um, because he's probably the biggest criminal to step foot into the Viper Room. Um, and... I just want to. <laughs> so Mickey was born. It's my podcast and I'll do what I want. Yeah, exactly. Um, Mickey was born in New York to an Orthodox Jewish family. And I mentioned this because I had no idea that Jews were in the mob. I thought that they was all just like diehard Italians. So when I saw that he was like an Orthodox Jew, I was like, holy shit. Um, You're so funny, Holly. I thought that, that was like so the cool. Old- <laughs> Oh my god, do you know, like, the Irish have their own mob, right? Yeah, like, I knew there was, like, different mobs, but, like, I thought, so, I'm, I'm gonna get to it. He ends up working with, um, I can't remember his fucking name now, the literal biggest, uh, Al, no, Al Pacino's the actor. Al Capone? Al Capone. So he ends up working with him, so I thought that he was, like, an Italian guy. No, he's one of my people. Um, he's one of my people. <laughs> so I thought that was cool. Um, so anyways, they moved to L.A. when Mickey was young, and he had a hard time adjusting. He was frequently in trouble at school, and eventually his parents sent him to boarding school in Cleveland, where he went on to join the boxing team. From there, he had, like, a, a sort of mediocre boxing career. Um, this was sort of his introduction into the criminal world. At the time, boxing matches were often fixed and associated with illegal betting, so gangsters would know the outcome of the fight ahead of time and sort of bet accordingly in order to rake in the profits. That's so annoying yeah um so mickey met associates of a man named mo dalitz who was a midwestern bootlegger which is exactly exactly what it sounds like so he used to make or sell like bootlegged items so like a fake chanel purse or the equivalent okay. of that in the 40s um he ended up becoming one of las vegas's leading casino operators uh so mickey started rolling with dalitz and his crew and uh, he eventually got arrested for armed robbery although charges were later dropped in order to shake the police off his trail, Mickey moved to Chicago, where he met up with a criminal organization called The Outfit. Um, the Outfit was founded by none other than Al Capone, not Al Pacino. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Cohen ran a uh, gambling operation in Chicago throughout the Prohibition era. Uh, he often boasted about meeting Al Capone, but uh, the timeline sort of says otherwise. According to this Mob Museum article I read, Capone was probably already in prison for income tax evasion by the time Cohen was operating in Chicago. Chicago. so uh one of the things about uh mickey cohen is that he often like spoke more highly of himself than he really was so like yeah. he wrote his own biography about how he's like this diehard gangster but then all the other gangsters that he worked with were like he was our little bitch like what the fuck like, what are you talking about <laughs> so i thought that was really funny um so in 1937 with the outfit support mickey cohen moved back to la to further their racketeering business in a newly budding hollywood 
he made rivals there, primarily local mapster Jack Dragna, who is another fascinating person. I would love to read about him. Uh, so Dragna and Cohen ended up in this weird partnership in a horse racing gambling scheme mafia type thing. Um, with Cohen ending up working as the muscle, so he was known to uh, like rough up bookkeepers and betters to get payments and alliance and stuff. So he was the 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 big beefy guy of the operation, basically. Okay. Um, so like I keep saying, I could go on forever about these guys. I would like to do a whole fucking episode on it. But to sum it up, he did a lot of illegal, terrible things, mostly revolving around gambling. Uh, he was a super interesting character. Like I said, he was known to make up lies and he ended up talking to the press a lot and became sort of this weird like media mafia darling. Um, he survived several assassination attempts and his house was actually bombed at one point because of his like the way he would like lie and stuff. So like people would get mad at his lies and I guess fucking bomb his house. How do you like go to sleep at night being like, oh, I'm going to sleep peacefully and your house gets fucking Just, bombed. Just it gets bombed? Like, like it's insane. Um, so in the end, he ended up opening opening the cotton club where even more of these crimes would take place um eventually the cotton club went up in flames uh my guess is it had something to do with a rival gangster like it was probably um oh my god what's it called when you set stuff on fire on purpose arson uh pyrotechnics <laughs> no nope, <laughs> like you're not wrong but, but... <laughs> oh man so um maybe went two different avenues there but neither were wrong so that's fine um so after the uh, the Cotton Club went up in flames, Mickey Cohen kept the ownership of the club, and it went on to become the Greenwich Village uh, Inn, which Danielle spoke about a little bit. Uh, that went under when it uh, was they were caught hosting. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> that went under when they were caught hosting illegal strip shows. Uh, then it became Rue Angel. This didn't last long either. Either, um, As we know, the massive fire broke out just a year into their opening. Then in September of 1950, after some like super fast repairs, uh, it became a strip club called Last Call. In 1951, Los Angeles updated its laws to ban, quote, lewd dancing and cross-dressing. Uh, which would force lewd dance club the last call along with several other of mickey cohen's properties to close permanently so uh the the locations that danielle was talking about earlier all of the ones that were closed mickey cohen owned all of those as well yep um he also is, like, used crazy because they like closed down and like reopen closed down and reopen i'm like dude just pick a business plan and go with it <laughs> yeah like holy fuck <laughs> Um, so, fun fact here, Mickey Cohen also ran illegal drag clubs in L.A. We love a I'm gay icon. And just 24 hours after losing all of his clubs, Cohen was indicted on charges of tax evasion. Uh, it's said that he and his wife owed a total of $1.7 million in two days' money to the government. So, it was probably like $3 million back then. Um, as a result, the mobster sold all of his assets, including his lewd dancing clubs. Uh, so we're fast forwarding several decades now. As we know, the club has had several names and owners, uh, but it's always remained a Hollywood hotspot throughout the years. All of the coolest bands and biggest stars would hang out there, as we know. Um, this takes us to 1993, when the club was officially known as the Viper Room. Johnny Depp was a co-owner of the club. Renner, Renner, River Phoenix died outside on Halloween. We already know all of this, but I'm going to tell you what happened after all of this. So sometime around the year... So we already have ghosts, everybody. We have ghosts. Yeah, there's ghosts. Yeah. People died. It was awful. Um, <laughs> so Drugs sometime, are bad. Drugs are bad. Drugs are very bad. Um, sometimes around the year... Oh, my God. Sometime around the year 2000, Johnny was accused of committing business fraud by one of the Viper Room business partners, Anthony Fox, who Danielle mentioned previously. So Anthony alleged that Johnny and four other associates had managed to move millions of dollars from the venue to their own personal accounts. The case made it to the courts, with Anthony set to take the stand for the case on December 20th, 2001. However, he never made it to court that day, and he was never seen by anyone ever again. Uh, investigators later found that his pickup truck and his 38 caliber revolver were also missing from his house. Uh, given the circumstances surrounding his disappearance, uh, suspicions were raised immediately. Anthony left his bank account quite full and there were no transactions after his disappearance. Uh, his Sketchy. beloved daughter, who they said that he would like never leave like this and stuff, had just celebrated her 17th birthday days before his disappearance. And uh, his family knew that he wouldn't just up and leave after that. I hope um, she got all the money. 
she, she yeah i'm gonna get to that she's oh, fine okay. <laughs> she's <Okay>. good <laughs> um so tabloids begin to speculate that perhaps johnny depp had something to do with his disappearance it made sense he was about to be sued to shit by this man and rumor has it anthony was going to win the case um however after the disappearance johnny settled the lawsuit by giving his share of the viper room to anthony fox's daughter she went on to sell it for a pretty pennies to the owners of the the hard rock cafe line like all of those guys yeah she sold it to them for like millions she's good um that was really nice of him though yeah so johnny johnny essentially set her up for life with this deal uh so there's kind of mixed reviews on this some people say it was a guilty conscience thing some people was like no he's genuinely just a good dude i'll let you guys debate that i think it was just a really nice thing he's Um, a good dude yeah i mean in this instance (laughs) dude that whole amber heard thing fuck man i just think they're both bad in this case if we're gonna be honest yeah Yeah, they both are yeah they're both horrifically toxic toxic for each other obviously yeah um so although johnny was never an official suspect in the case a woman named donna lynn who was close friends with anthony fox spoke to radar online saying quote I believe if Tony hadn't filed the suit, he would be here today. The timing is so suspicious. Tony was about to win that lawsuit. (laughs) I fucking hate you. (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) Um, Tony was about to win that that lawsuit, but before he got his day in court, he vanished. There are many questions and no answers. Dun, dun, dun. Everyone just go to the Viper room and go into the fucking closet and just ask him. On January 6, 2002, his vehicle was found abandoned in Santa Clara, California. Uh, his body has never been discovered, and the case remains open to this day. So as Danielle said, there's no evidence he's dead. Yeah. But he has never been seen since 2001. And um, people are getting, like, a lot of, like, reports of, like, activity at the Viper Room and stuff. But you can never really prove that it's, like, yeah him. And they've, like, people have gotten, like, spirit box sessions and... um uh like the voice recording like the readings of like people saying anthony and like stuff yeah. like that but like when you're listening for that kind of stuff you kind of like hear what you want to hear which I, yeah sucks. i was actually gonna say that um there's there's that factor and then there's the whole factor that like as much of a believer in the paranormal as we are there's still no like you know 100 percent solid proof this exists kind of thing so like to rely on that as proof of a of a murder is yeah that's not gonna hold up in court (laughs) exactly and also with um uh anthony fox he owned um the when it was like before the viper room yeah like he owned it i believe it was like the central that i called yeah Yeah. so i think i think he i'm i could be getting this wrong but i believe it was anthony and tom waits who sort of like roped johnny into this yeah i believe is the story so, like, you um, don't know what kind of, like, dealings Anthony got into with the Central. Like... Yeah. So, it, it's... Yeah. It's a really, really suspicious case. No, oh, sorry. I'm not going to say it this time. <laughs> okay. I was, I was like, like... I was like, why are we silent? <laughs> um, no, it's a really weird case. Um, and I'm surprised there's not more being said about it, especially with, like, the uh, the gossip going on with, like, Johnny and Amber Heard right now. Um, actually, fun fact, Amber Heard tried to, like, investigate this case as part of their court thing to be like, Johnny's a bad person, this guy's dead, but it didn't really get her anywhere because there's no proof that he's dead. What a fucking um, psycho. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was weird. Um, so anyways, moving on. Not every crime at the Viper Room has involved the mafia or strange disappearances. In the early 2000s, the club turned into a secret celebrity poker club. An illegal that. celebrity oh, poker club. Still here What's for that? it. Still here for it. <laughs> um, some big names who took part in these games include Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Toby Maguire. My faves, the Olsen twins, who allegedly really? brought billionaire boyfriends with them. Um, and Leonardo DiCaprio, my love of my life. Um, most of these games took place in hotel rooms or secret locations. But the big ones where the buy-ins started at 50K, those took place at the Viper Room. Uh, the ringleader of this illegal poker ring was a woman named Molly Bloom, no relation to Orlando. Um, in an interview with 2020, Molly spoke about how she often hosted these high stakes gambling games at the Viper Room, which helped her accumulate an estimated salary of $4 million a year. Goals. Absolute in goals. Tips. In tips. Those were her tips. <laughs> I want tips like that. 
like what the fuck that's amazing she's doing amazing sweetie (laughs) i like her i really like her that's why i spoke so much about her so the games themselves were illegal to begin with and often involved uh heavy drinking and drug use from the participants uh eventually molly started taking money from the pot of each game which technically made her uh part of an organized crime so the fbi caught wind of this fairly quickly before we get into that i wanted to share this molly revealed that the biggest sore loser was toby mcguire uh (laughs) (laughs) spidey was also one of her most regular customers which made this really annoying for molly she seemed to like really hate him like every interview i said she shit talked him really um she claimed that he once made her quote bark like a seal who wants a fish in order to earn her tip uh he also refused to play any game that did not use his seventeen thousand dollar card shuffling machine which he later tried to force molly to rent for the games so she would have to pay to use the machine that he wanted to use <laughs> he's like how can i cheat the system with no literally them, like think i'm not cheating the system he was like trying to break even on his night basically yeah. and that- like, what so apparently he was just like this giant overgrown toddler and i thought that was funny um so anyways back to crime um several gangsters and mafia associates approached molly once they caught wind of the lucrative poker ring she refused to cooperate with them and would not allow them into the games unfortunately for molly though her strong backbone led to her being assaulted by members of the russian mafia um this caused her to sort of spiral out and she began using drugs heavily um i'm assuming it's one of those things where it starts with painkillers and you just kind of go downhill from there yeah um so after this assault the fbi ended up raiding one of her high stakes events on april 16th 2013 molly was arrested and charged with 33 other people as part of a 100 million dollar money laundering and illegal gambling operation uh there was also arrests made in new york in relation to this poker ring wait so did any of like the celebrities get in trouble or just like a slap on the wrist not even anything i don't i don't know what happened like no one ever talks about it no one like i didn't even know this part about it like i knew there was like illegal gambling but i didn't know fucking spider-man was involved the fuck worst spider-man ever um hey i liked him as spider-man no i just mean in this scenario he's in an underground gambling ring yeah i was gonna say (laughs) they are my favorite spider-man movies i really haven't even watched the other ones i was gonna say if Stuart heard you say that he'd probably come downstairs and get through the phone and fight you why what's his mcguire he loves him oh okay yeah, yeah um i have to watch all the other ones though because have you seen all the multiverse stuff yeah yeah i've seen all of them there are the i haven't seen all of tom them. holland just... one's good because i think he's just a good actor and his character's funny and spider-man's supposed to be a teenage boy and he's a teenager yeah boy. well was. he makes the most sense but then the andrew garfield one was okay i liked emma stone in it i think she was awesome but like his uh i think the reason i don't uh watch the other ones is because i don't get why there's different spider-man stuff oh because um um, they kept trying to remake the movie because it was like doing shittier and shittier and shittier so like we'll just bring in new actors that's pretty much it so now they're like let's put all of the actors in one movie yeah (laughs) because there is a multiverse where there's like multiple spider-mans like that is a yeah so they're like carl a few years ago uh once they brought in dr strange into like the marvel universe carl's like they're totally doing a multiverse because dr strange is like the and i was like what the fuck is a multiverse so he's trying to explain it to me i like comic books but i'm not as into it as like you guys are so i don't (laughs) don't know i'm not i'm not either i just like i like the movies but i hear about it so much it's kind of like embedded into my brain yeah i learn i learn a lot uh from carl about it like he tells me all the backstory to it so i know going into a movie like oh this is gonna lead to this kind of thing yeah yeah well like i'm not gonna look into that myself um i don't even remember the last thing i said drugs poker oh okay um Molly pled guilty after the FBI seized and froze all of her assets, leaving her completely broke. Uh, she received a sentence of 12 months probation because she pled guilty, which is, like, incredible. Because she was facing, like, a federal charge. Yeah, like, this, is, this charge. is a federal crime. And she only got 12 months probation. And I, if I, I could be wrong, but I think she got, like, some time served as well. Okay. Um, during her time on probation, she wrote a very successful book detailing the events called Molly's Game, which was then turned into a movie starring Jessica Chastain in 2017. I was going to say that um, that name sounds really familiar, but it's a movie. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't know that movie was about it. I haven't yeah. seen the movie, but I had heard about it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. But either. yeah, I thought I thought Molly was kind of her story was was really nice to me because she said how she like hit absolute rock bottom, didn't know what she was going to do with herself. And she just like on a whim re- reached out to a publisher and was like, I wrote this book. And now she's kind of like she's a millionaire for like the right reasons now yeah if that makes sense yeah. but also like i have such a 
like i understand like underground gambling it leads to other shit and whatever mm-hmm. but like the only reason why they don't like it is because they can't fucking tax it it's another thing no that's exactly like it. it's, yeah 100 percent. that's all it is yeah like i understand it leads um, to like the drugs and like the mobs and that's a whole other story but like just let them play their poker <laughs> Gosh. You know, if they decriminalized things, we wouldn't have the mob. <laughs> but here we are. Ah, so, yeah, um, I wanted to end this with a few quote-unquote lighthearted crimes in here. Um, so these were in, uh, incidents that I thought were kind of funny and good stories to tell. Um, this first one is hilarious to me because it involves Slipknot, who is like a huge <laughs> band in the sort of music scene that I'm into. And I've never heard this story before. Aren't they? Um, um, I'm actually... Uh, sorry to interrupt. Aren't they like a... Like a Christian, like hardcore metal band, or am I, um, I never, else? I never know who's Christian and who's not. Like the amount of bands I listen to and later find out they're Christian. Yeah. That's the thing about listening to music that's mostly screaming is you don't always know yeah. what they're saying. Slipknot and then every so. Uh, the biggest one for me was Memphis Mayfire. So I had seen Memphis Mayfire like four or five times on Warp Tour, mm-hmm. and I liked them. I thought they were cool. So I finally started to like put their music on my Spotify. And I was on my way to work one day listening to them. This was like two years ago. And he said something about God or like, and I was like, hold on. And I like turn it up a little bit. And he's saying about like faith and like, I was like, hold the fuck. So I went to work and I spent the first like hour of my morning Googling their lyrics. And I was like, oh my God, they're a Christian band. Like, holy shit. <laughs> it blows your mind. Um, Under Oath is another one with like oh, really religious undertones. Oath. I don't Maybe it's not Slipknot. Maybe it's Under Oath. Under Oath, or, <sighs> Under Oath says they're not Christian, but like they sound pretty Christian. Yeah um august burns red is another one that's christian like <laughs> see i'm just like i don't like i i'm polar opposite of like holly's music scene right now i'm like i uh mumford and sons is like really christian <laughs> are they i think so they think about I religion know that. all the time but it's how you interpret the lyrics <laughs> uh for the record i also like mumford and sons i'm a very complex person okay oh yeah no i wasn't um, gonna roast you i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> It's always so funny at work when people talk about music and stuff because I could talk to like the guys out back who listen to metal, but then I could also talk to like Janice out back who listens to Celine Dion. Yeah, you're like (laughs) Holly's like in every aspect of music, and it's fantastic. You gotta be. Um, So fucking Slipknot. Oh yeah, we're Um, so (laughs) sidetracked. In 2001, Slipknot frontman Corey Taylor flew to L.A. from Iowa where they were recording a new album. Uh, Apparently, he needed to let off some steam, and boy, did he ever succeed. His night started at a nearby bar called Rainbow Bar and Grill, but he was kicked out after throwing a shot glass at a fellow patron. He then proceeded to bring his chaos to the Viper Room. Uh, And I guess while he was there, someone dared him to kick his foot through the front window of the club, and naturally, he did so. Um, unfortunately for him, a police officer was chilling, like, right nearby and witnessed the whole incident. Corey knew he was screwed, so he simply walked up to the police car, put his hands on the hood, and, like, just let them arrest him. He's like, I don't even fine. think the cop was out of the car at that point. Like, he just was like, fuck it. Um, so he allegedly passed out cold in the back of the car right after they tossed him in. He didn't receive any charges, but he was forced to pay $500 in damages to the Viper Room. Oh, that's kind of nice. Um... The Viper Room was also the scene of a a notorious onstage fight between members of a fairly well-known band at the time called Brian Jonestown Massacre. And yes, they are named after that Jonestown Massacre. Um, The fight is featured in a documentary called Dig! With an exclamation point. (laughs) Um, What a name. I don't know. I felt like I had to say it like that. Um, So the fact that there was a fight on stage led many people to believe that it was actually a mockumentary and uh people started comparing it to this is spinal tap which i don't know if you've ever seen that but no. highly recommend it's about like a fake metal band basically um so members of this band were left bloody and injured after the fight and the band the band left without playing a single song they couldn't even get through one song without fighting Can you imagine paying like the cover for that and then these fucking assholes yeah <laughs> The house is buying me drinks that night. That's all I'm saying. What the hell? Um, And to end it off, it seems as though the curse of the Viper Room reaches farther than its location in LA. Um, As Danielle mentioned, there's a club in Melbourne, Australia named the Viper Room. Uh, This club was forced to close in 2009 due to a whole slew of illegal incidents, including two shootings and a, quote, string of violent events. Which is crazy. Isn't isn't Australia supposed to be like, no guns, woo? Yeah. (laughs) In that exact way. Um, one of the co-owners of this Viper Room was arrested on drug charges around the time of the closing as well. 
Um, all in all, it seems like no matter what they called this club, trouble was sure to find it. And I kind of think that maybe that's why uh, the spirits still linger. Like there's so much negative energy there to like pull it all hold in. on to. Yeah. That I think it's just like a hell mouth at this point. But then also like like with the viper room being so like notorious like everyone went there like what if the spirits just don't want to leave they're like this is my place this is where i want to be i believe that yeah especially um like if if river phoenix is still there like that was his spot you know what i mean like yeah. they were all pals johnny and them i would i would believe that yeah maybe they just don't know they're dead oh that's sad they're just waiting for their next band to play but they fucking <laughs> argued and took off stage I feel bad for them this year. No shows. Yeah, it's so lonely. <laughs> Let's go hang out with them. <laughs> I honestly would love to. I've wanted to go here for so long and it's on my bucket list and we're going to do it one yeah. day. So that's another one added. So we're going to go to Louisiana and then we're going to gonna hop over. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. It makes sense. <laughs> I mean, that's the only but reason yeah. why I would ever want to go to LA. Like, I'm not trying to like be that. Like, I'm like, I don't want to go to LA because it's LA. I just don't like the fucking heat. I don't, but I want to go to Louisiana. That makes a lot of sense. But <laughs> I would love to go to certain parts of California. Um, I feel like I want to go to LA just to say I've been to LA because I was a huge fan of like the hills and Lauren Conrad and all that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, there's no real appeal to me. Oh my God, I want to go to Um, the San Francisco's where? It's it's from that show Vanderpump Rules. Fight me. Oh my God. (laughs) I'd go there and buy their outrageous fucking overpriced food go to nobu yeah nobu for some sush yeah, let's go <laughs> um i would also like to go to san francisco because they are the only zoo in north america that has galapagos tortoises oh my god huh? you're such a dork <laughs> they're so cool they're like 200 pound tortoises jesus christ that's actually awesome they're like little people with shells <laughs> imagine trying to get up those hills though oh my god my fat ass ain't getting up one of those hills i'm getting a car <laughs> fuck that the thought of walking it is just like no i die i want to go to colorado i would we wanted to go there uh the, uh 2020 that was one of the places we were looking at but no that's fine we were gonna get like a cabin in like the woods and like basically go to a cottage but in colorado and i was coming right you were gonna invite me I, yeah obviously. yeah no you weren't but you, yeah you fucking are now <laughs> it's beautiful in the fall though we were gonna go like in in the fall and yeah fuck me (laughs) (laughs) maybe next fall this fall next fall this fall maybe i'm gonna say 2022 i'm gonna guess nothing's happening this year nothing's happening but if you want to come be miserable with us and (laughs) i was gonna say we're ending this on a really positive note (laughs) always always and talk about that let's talk about the viper room because there's so much shit that went down and it's fucking cool lots of people seemed really excited about it which made me really excited about it and i hope we did it justice that makes me nervous now. Yeah, a lot of people seem to think that we were just going to be talking about the haunting. Yeah. So let us know if you like this sort of crime aspect. I think it's cool because there's only so much haunting you can talk about because you don't really know what the fuck happened there. No. And you need. I feel like you need to know the crime to know sort of why it's haunted as well. Yeah. Like there's, I don't know. It's it was cool. fun. I loved it. We got to go. And happy spookiversary. Yeah, that too. But come hang out with us. Um, do that it we have instagram it's a spooky hour podcast yes that's it (laughs) i had a brain fart everyone (laughs) you'll find us on twitter at spooky hour and you can email in your spooky tales at the spooky hour podcast 666 at gmail.com that's it guys that's it that's it and please send us your spooky tales we would love to put out a spooky tale episode for our spookiversary even though it's gonna be late but that's fine yeah um <laughs> whatever it's a thought that counts <laughs> <laughs> it'll be our valentine to you perhaps oh my god valentine <laughs> fuck that i don't celebrate that shit do we I. just use it as an excuse to get like really gross food yeah <laughs> i mean i don't need an excuse just feed me everything that's bad for me let's do it man yeah all right stay spooky y'all stay spooky everyone bye <laughs> bye, bye.